everyone. Welcome to Steadfast Care Planning, where we plan for care to live well. I'm your guide, Kelly Augsperger. Today with me is Keen Dillon, owner of Senior Helpers of Columbus, Ohio. Thanks so much for being here, Keen. Hey, Kelly. Really glad to be here. I'm really excited to be talking to you today because we're going to talk about home care. And Keen is an expert in the home care industry. So, Keen, let's jump right in. Sounds good to me. All right. Well, first off, Keen, what does home care even mean? Break it down for people. What types of services are provided when, when you hear home care? It's basically going to be anything covering non-medical care to keep somebody living in place. So nurses will come by and do things like shots. That's more of the home health. That's not so much us. Home care will range anything from companion care, which I affectionately refer to as daughter for hire, which is help Mm -hmm. around the house, light housekeeping, taking people for errands, and an awful lot of it's meal preparation, an awful lot of it's companionship. It's going for walks with your clients. It's going and getting ice cream with your clients and making sure people are not suffering from social isolation. And then it ranges more into the personal care, which is more of the hands-on type of assistance, which would be help with anything from transfers to showers, incontinence issues, et cetera. Right. Those activities of daily living, mm-hmm. right? Transferring, toileting, bathing, dressing, eating, incontinence. Pre- precisely. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, so you said daughter for hire. Is that the term that you I, use? I use that term frequently because it kind of develops an empathy real quickly. If somebody is taking care of, yeah. you know, one of their parents or somebody that they love, when you say that daughter for hire, it's like, oh, you'll do kind of all the activities that I would normally do. And it's yes. And we can also do the personal care as well. Oh, that's really, really endearing. So different from true home health care, right? This is non-medical in nature, really helping the person in need throughout the day with those activities of daily living and also those instrumental activities of daily living, which you referred to meal prep, probably some light housekeeping as well, right? Mm -hmm. Laundry, those types of things. Yeah, I definitely will always emphasize that my aides are really there to take care of the person. So they do light housekeeping, but if you need like a deep clean, Molly Maids is definitely a better a better answer. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, absolutely. But while they're there, if they need a, a load thrown in or something like that, that can be done. But obviously, the primary reason for having the home care is to take care of that care recipient. Yeah, and and it can go all over the place. We've escorted people to weddings. We've escorted people to funerals. We've taken them for wow. vacations. It's all, all at range. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That that gives us a good base of what we're talking about here with home care. When people are considering home care for their loved ones, Keen, what's a good checklist or questions that they should ask the home care provider? The first big question is figure out what the client really and truly needs. Different agencies mm-hmm. are going to specialize in different aspects of what's going on. Some groups are we really focused on Alice Alzheimer's or Parkinson's, and we fall into that game plan, or in helping people do their physical therapy so they don't go back to the hospital. So I would kind of find out what those needs Mm. are, and that's going to form a lot of your questions. However, a good place to start is Google the company, see how long Mm -hmm. it's actually been in business and kind of what the reviews look like. You can find out an awful lot about a company by what people are willing to say about them online. Yeah, An awful lot of it really comes down to what is their process of hiring caregivers? Because at the end of the day, it's that caregiver in the home that's really going to make or break the relationship. So some critical things to check are how much experience do the caregivers have? Do they have certifications? For example, in Ohio, 
a state-tested nursing assistant, which a couple of months of additional training would be required for pers- personal care. Okay. I also would like to find out if they give specialized training in things like Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or congestive heart failure so that they kind of have got a good idea of what they're working with there. Mm-hmm. You'd like to know if their employees or if their caregivers are employees or if they're private contractors. There are, co- there are mm-hmm. companies in Columbus where you're expected to pay the caregivers directly, which can create taxation issues, liability issues. Oh, sure. I always tend to want to hire companies that have employees that have got background checks and drug tests and insurance and all that sort of good stuff. Yeah, good point. I would ask about what their policies are if a caregiver doesn't show up. Most agencies will have a quote-unquote on-call so that if okay. nature happens, somebody is sick, the car won't start, we've got backups to mm-hmm. be able to provide in those types of situations. Also, okay. I'd ask about cell phone policies. This is one in, mm. partic- in particular for some of the younger caregivers that are, unless people are specifically told to, they're in my first couple of years, I wasn't wise enough to realize that some caregivers want to spend a lot of time on the phone. So Uh. we establish a policy of you can only be on the phone in the event of an emergency, or if you are doing something actively with your client, like looking something up. Okay. Oh yeah. I wouldn't have even thought about that. That's true because we, it's so distracting and it's, it's such a draw when we have our cell phones with us. And if you are responsible for another individual being a caregiver and you've got your phone right there, you're not giving that care recipient really the time that they need and deserve and the care. That's one of, that's one of my pet peeves. So we always make sure that we train people that if you're there as a caregiver, you're there to take care of somebody, not to play on your phone. <laughs> right. Don't neglect yeah. them. Yeah. I, I yeah. would also, a big question is what if we don't like our caregiver? At the end of the day, caregivers mm-hmm. and clients should look forward to seeing each other. They should have like a relationship. Yeah. If it's not feeling good, then the agency mm-hmm. should probably work upon getting some, getting another caregiver in. I would yeah. also check their policies on do they try to match caregivers to clients or do they kind of have the revolving door where mm. multiple caregivers will be coming in to take care? It's just not that efficient. Also for clients in particular with Alzheimer's, change isn't necessarily a good thing. So seeing new faces can sure. kind of throw things off. So we always strive to get that one-to-one relationship. I'd ask about minimum hours. Most home care agencies will have minimum shifts because it's hard to get somebody to go to a client's house for less than three or four hours. And they'll have okay. some weekly minimums. Of course, you want to ask about the rates. In the Columbus area, mm-hmm. you can You'll find a wide variety of rates, probably from a low of $30 an hour to on some of the shorter, more specialized pieces, you can get into $40, $40 or so per hour. And la- okay. last, but certainly not least, I'd look at the personalities of the management you're going to work with because you'll be speaking to them on a, mm. on a fairly frequent basis and you want to have somebody you can get along with and that you feel comfortable and safe with. Oh gosh, that's a really great checklist. Pretty comprehensive there, Keen. Yeah, I would advise everybody write those down and and hopefully I'll even be able to provide some type of a actual list for people to go back through to be able to see this checklist of Keen. But you definitely want to ask these questions before you sign any paperwork. Do you typically have people sign a contract, Keen? What does that look so, like? Yeah, we, we call it an agreement and it's not terribly binding. In, in our case, we ask some standard things. We'll specify the rate and the hours that are there. 
We'll also specify that we're non-medical home care, just trying to make sure we're covered from a legal legal standpoint. We'll also say that sure. you know we're always going to try to give care, but in the event that we aren't able to get there, we're still asking for support from the family or whoever their loved ones are. A big okay. one is we'll also have a clause in there to say, please don't try to hire our caregivers away privately because we, we right. spend an awful right. lot of time and money training him, getting oh, yeah. getting him up to speed. We're also, we don't have clients sign the agreement until we know we've got a caregiver ready and staffed for them. I have okay. heard about agencies that are signing beforehand and then not being able to provide caregivers, which just doesn't feel, doesn't oh, feel right. <laughs> no, that's bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I've yeah. got a list of this, these questions I can send over to you after the podcast to save you some time. Perfect. Yeah, that's perfect. Then we can provide those to the listeners and the viewers. Yeah, that's great, Keen. Thank you. So when you have a contract in place, you, you've got the care recipient, you're ready, you've got the caregiver, right? They're assigned to the right people. How are you then billing the family or billing the care recipient after care is actually given? It can work, honestly, in a variety of ways. We bill every two weeks, but okay. we can accept payments online, you know, via credit cards. We can take checks in payment. Preferred method is to do the automatic clearinghouse. Basically, we just get a void check. Mm -hmm. Then we will send a bill over either via traditional mail or email. And if there are no concerns about the bill, we just automatically will deduct the money from the checking account every two weeks. Gotcha. Okay. Is that pretty typical in your industry, Keen, is for most home care agencies to bill every two weeks or do some do more frequently, like weekly or even there, monthly? There, there is variety. Typically, okay. I think mo monthly would be a rarity unless you're working with something like the Veterans Administration. Typically, it's going to be two weeks okay. or, or weekly, simply Honestly, it's from a cash flow perspective. You don't want to wait for an entire month because that can right. get, get to be a lot of payroll before you're having a chance to be reimbursed. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. And now for a brief message from our show's sponsor. The Steadfast Care Planning Podcast is sponsored by the CLTC, Certified and Long-Term Care Training Program, which gives financial advisors tools to discuss extended care planning with their clients. Look for the CLTC designation when choosing an advisor. What are the different ways that people are paying for home care? What do you see in your business? The vast majority for us is going to be private pay, you know, coming out of savings or investments or something along those lines. But there are a variety of sources, uh, as I'm sure you're familiar with. Long-term long insurance is probably one of the greatest ways to do it. People have been paying into those policies for a long time. And the companies are very easy to work with to get everything going there. Also okay. work with the Veterans Administration. People aren't aware of this, but if somebody served in the military during the time of an act of war, they didn't actually have to serve in war and they mm -hmm. meet certain thresholds. You know, they're, they're not rich, but mm -hmm. they don't, ha don't have to be poor. The government will give free home care. That can range anywhere from a few hours a week up to, I've seen it as high as 30 hours per week, depending no on the kidding. amount of disabilities that were going on. And they didn't okay. even know that they were going to be able to have the benefits for it. In yeah. addition to that, there's some more creative things. People have gone through and done reverse mortgages to be able mm -hmm. to support it, or sometimes family and friends pick it, pick it up. Right. One really, one really unique case. So government money is available as well. There's grants for things like multiple sclerosis, uh, cerebral palsy. One of the most interesting ones we've ever worked with is mm -hmm. the government of Germany is okay. paying reparations for Holocaust survivors wow. and, and through Jewish Family Services. We had a client that was with us that was having all of their benefits were paid for 
by the German government. No kidding. I've never heard that. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. So a variety of ways to actually pay for care. And we know, I mean, both being in the industry, in the long-term care industry, we know that most people prefer to stay at home as long as possible, right? If it's safe for them to be home, if it's if it's the best situation for them, people really want to stay at home and age in place. And so being able to have a reputable agency or service to turn to is going to be key for not just the care recipient, but the care family to give them peace of mind and to know that they are getting quality care, right? And so to know that there are different ways to actually fund the care, um, yeah, really, really valuable. As far as those VA benefits, Keen, where do you suggest people even look to that? Go online and look at the VA's website? I would specifically, I would go in and Google aid and attendance. Yeah. It's just the name of the policy that will pop up for them very quickly. But you can you can get to the information quickly through your local VA. And then as far as the long-term care insurance, I know that you, you know, you do have some clients that are on claim and that you're able to help in that process, right? Um, as far as do, do some of your the carriers that you work with actually direct do you direct bill them so that the client's not involved in the care? Does it depend on the insurance company? Definitely kind of a grab bag. We've had yeah. cases where we bill the long-term care insurance directly. Mm-hmm. Most frequently what ends up happening though is the client will pay and then they're reimbursed by the long-term care, but I've seen different avenues multiple, multiple times. The biggest thing for us with the long-term care insurance is we need to make sure we're doing at least two of those activities of daily living or ADLs right. during each shift. So we send them a little bit more information than we might send to a normal customer on their invoice. You know, sure. we helped with going to the bathroom. We had a shower or something along those lines just to, to make sure that right. we're taking care of those ADLs. That's right. And just to clarify, so people um, are aware, if, if you don't know already, in order to really trigger and access benefits in a qualified long-term care insurance contract, the language it really is that you need, need to meet two out of the six activities of daily living. You need help with those. And you're expecting of care is more than 90 days, or you have a cognitive impairment and you need supervision. So in Kane's case, what his agency has to do is they have to document really well, right, Kane? Yes. You're having to, yeah, you're having to document for, um, for the person on claim. And then for you guys too, I'm sure that it is really almost even a, a buffer for you, right? Illegally. Yeah. In order to keep good records, but for the insurance company, they want to see that indeed that the, the, the person on claim does need help with those activities of daily living. And we'll even help people by you know looking at their policies and you know letting them know how much care they can actually receive and kind yeah. of what, what that looks like. And even you know, ex- explaining to them, you know, it will draw down if you have to go to a facility. This goes against sure. that. And, and we can walk through people through all those basics as well. Right. That's really helpful. If if the person on claim no longer has, let's say the agent is not around anymore, maybe you know they've retired or they're not getting maybe all the information that they would hope for out of the insurance company working with someone like, like Keen and, and an agency like his where they can help you decipher that is really helpful. And being able to determine, you know, what is it a daily? Is it a monthly benefit? You know, what's my elimination period? How long do benefits last? How can we really get the most out of this policy and um, and working with someone that understands how these these contracts work is really important. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Kane, any other final advice on how people can plan for care to live well? I think one I would throw out in my profession is bringing a caregiver into your life can be a great change as far as the quality, quality of life. So mm-hmm. choose well because that person will become part of your family. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I get pictures of 
clients and their caregivers, you know, going out on picnics, um, all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's where it really and truly works, where everybody's getting better out of it. That's right. And I, just a, a, a quick story, too. We both, Keen and I, have a, a mutual friend. And one of your caregivers helped provide mm-hmm. care to her dad um, the last, I don't know, how many months or years of his life, Keen? Oh, let's see. Would have been about 15 months. 15 months. Yeah, I thought it was a little over a year. And from what our friend has told us, it was such a special relationship that that caregiver had with her dad. And it meant so much not only to her dad to be able to have that connection with Keen's caregiver, but it meant so much to our friend, the daughter, right? She mm-hmm. just was like over the moon, excited, and had such peace of mind knowing that she could go to work during the day because she works full time, go to, go to work during the day. And her dad was really well cared for at home while she was at work. And she could come home. He, he had the socialization and he was cared for and got all of his needs met really well. And so, yeah, super important. I think, Keen, great, great advice there. You want to pick um, and be careful in that selection. And if it's not the right fit, and I'm sure that happens sometimes, Keen, right? Like oh, right off the bat. Yeah, you, yeah. Can, you can have two great people that don't get along well together. I had a gentleman that was rather stoic, and I put a caregiver in his home who four of her five clients absolutely loved her to death, full of energy. She got with him, and like the first day was like, nope, these... <laughs> <laughs> Oil and water, and it's nothing, not a good fit. Nothing, yeah. nothing against either one of them. So we just find somebody who's a better fit. That's right. Go back to the drawing board and let's reassess the situation. Who is going to be a better fit? And so then, yeah, you do you do find that good fit. So that's wonderful. Well, Keen, thanks so much for your time, your expertise today. Really appreciate it. Um, have a great day. Thank you, Kelly. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks. Bye bye. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Steadfast Care Planning with Kelly Augsburger. For more information about today's guest, please check out our show notes. And for additional information about Kelly, you can look her up on LinkedIn or find us online at www.steadfastagents.com. This show was made possible by Certification for Long-Term Care, Primary Residential Mortgage, and DWA Tax Consultants. Please join us next time for more helpful guidance and thanks for listening.